Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 728. When it comes to my life, I always try to just live by the quote, why not me? This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am so revved up and excited to introduce today's very special guest, Sam Cotter. Hey, Sam, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am so ready. All right, cool. Sam Cotter is the founder of CarMatch in Seattle, Washington. This new business venture is an online service where Sam helps find you the best car for your needs and lifestyle. Sam is also the fleet manager for Cotter Racing, where he helps his father, Bill, a longtime vintage racer in the Pacific Northwest, oversee his collection of vintage cars. Sam started racing as soon as he turned 18, and he got his start at the Bob Bondurant School of High Performance Driving. Sam's raced a 1963 MGB, an 01 Mustang GT, and a 1998 Ford Crown Vic Police Interceptor. Yes, you heard me right. I've seen the car. I've seen Sam drive the car. Uh, if he comes up at you on the freeway, you're going to want to get out of the way because you're going to be convinced that he's a cop. Today, Sam's working on getting CarMatch up and running so he can provide people with an easy-to-use service when they're ready to purchase an automobile. So, Sam, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a very brief moment and share a little bit more about this new business you're starting and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, yeah, this new business, CarMatch, basically, it's a business to help people find and help them purchase new vehicles. A lot of people dislike, hate, I mean, they hate the process of buying a new vehicle. They have no idea what they're looking at. Basically, I want to help people with the whole process of buying a vehicle. It's a little bit like being a broker, but I want to be a little bit more personal with the process. I want to sit down with a client and just say, okay, what are the things that you must have? And just walk them through. Because many times when I help somebody find a vehicle, they end up getting something that they never even thought about purchasing. And right. then they end up loving it. This one w- woman I help, you know, she's married and she has a she has a toddler and she needed a new vehicle. And I was like, well, you know what? She lives in Seattle. Maybe she should get a Prius because she doesn't seem like somebody that's interested in cars. So I suggested a Prius and I went and got her a Prius to go drive around for the afternoon. And she drove it around and she hated it. She said it drove like a boat. And I was like, well, I knew it would drive like a boat, but I figured you wouldn't want anything sporty. And I said, well, I want something a little bit sporty. So I said, hmm, okay. So I took her to the Volkswagen dealer, and I had her go drive a Volkswagen GTI, and now she drives a GTI now. So in essence, you do like what Spike Ferriston does on the TV show Car Matchmaker, but you do in the real world. Basically, because my deal is, this is how I kind of describe it to people. We were all kids once. We all wanted to have fun. And if you're going to spend that much money on a vehicle, you should get something that ignites the passion inside of you. I mean, you don't even have to really love cars to really get it, but you should at least try to find something that has some character right. or soul. Right now, literally before, uh, just before I started talking to you, I got a text message from this young lady I know and she said Sam I'm looking at a couple cars and I have no idea what I'm looking at and she gave me the names of she's looking at a Honda Civic a Subaru Crosstrek and a couple Hyundais and 
I've basically walked her down the walked her through the process of why I think she should get a Subaru over the Honda and the Hyundai because you know what the Honda and the Hyundai are really good. The Subaru would have a is going to have a lot more personality, hmm. and if you're going to spend that much money. The Crosstreks, they're slow. I mean, it's not something like you and I would purchase or an enthusiast would purchase. But for an average person, I'd get the Crosstrek because <laughs> it's just – you know what? It's just – it's they're funny. And I mean, they it's a super – I mean, come on. It's just – it's it has character. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is really cool. And we're going to learn a lot more about what you're doing as we continue on your journey. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests a success quote. This is – Some kind of saying that's been instrumental in your life and something that you've lived by. So, Sam, take the wheel. (sighs) Well, my success quote, (laughs) I have two. One of them I always would say as a joke at school because for papers or stuff, people say, well, what's your quote did you live by? I would always say, I like to live life how Judge Smale says. I said, the world needs ditch diggers too, and I don't want to be a ditch digger (laughs) from Caddyshack. But to be honest with you, when it comes to my life – I always try to just live by the quote, why not me? Okay. Why not? Kind of a Russell Wilson concept, if you will. Exactly. Well, because I struggled in school. I have a couple diagnosed learning difficulties that mm-hmm. I had to struggle with throughout my academic career. Uh-huh. But I would always just power through it because I would just sit there in the classroom while getting back a paper that I should have got a, at least a B on and I got a D on and uh, and I was just like you know what why not why why not me I can so do this I life's too short I can do this so instead of letting those things defeat you you used your concept or your mantra of why not me to motivate you so that you could power through and get to where you needed to get is that a good assessment of that quote yes Basically, yeah, because, I mean, if I didn't, who knows where I'd be right now. If you don't fight for what you believe in, I mean, why bother? Well, the takeaway I hear from here, Sam, and I'll let our listeners know, I've known Sam since he was a little boy. I used to race cars with his dad, Bill, when I raced vintage cars. I've known him since he was a little kid in the pits running around and like my son because they're about the same age. God, that was a long time ago. (laughs) I've known Sam a long time and he's a passionate guy and that's why I'm so excited to share his new career path because he just got out of college about eight, nine months ago, right? Yeah, I graduated in September. Yeah, well, congratulations for that. Thank you. Because just getting through college when you have certain challenges can be uh, very, very hard. And I've had many people on the show who have dealt with different learning disabilities and they found a way to get through them. And that's why I think you're a great inspiration today. The why not me quote, even before I Russell Wilson was even who he is today, the why not me quote is what I've lived by throughout my whole life. Because when you have a learning difficulty – Teachers and administrators, they don't know what to do with you. They make you kind of feel like that you're not normal or, you know, you're you're not probably going to last. You're not going to be that successful. You might as well just give up and go get in line to dig a ditch. Or <laughs> I just, you know, would sit there and knowing like yourself, Mark, and my father and all the t- hundreds of people that you and I both know, I would just sit there in the classroom while looking at the D grade on my paper that I just got back and thinking, you know what? I can so do this. I'm not going to let this get me down. Because you know why? Because there's so much out there for me to do. And there's there's so much time left for me to become to make something of myself. Well, it's an awesome, awesome attitude to have, Sam. Absolutely inspirational. Well, 
I want you to share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars. You grew up in a family filled with cars. Your grandparents were into cars. Your dad is a car maniac. Oh, my gosh. He's an incredible car collector. He's got yes, some he is. <laughs> incredible stuff. I mean, he is car nuts. Tell us about that pivotal moment in your life when you realize, uh-oh, I'm going to follow my dad's foot tracks. I'm a car guy, too. Well, it's an interesting story. There's two parts of this story. It first begins when I was an infant. Well, when you first started, well, a, a toddler, when mm-hmm. I was first learning how to speak, my first word wasn't m- mom, mama, or data. It was bus. Bus? Why was it bus? <laughs> because I have a weird thing. I like transit buses for some reason. That is unique. Yes. <laughs> My crib was in front of our window, which was along the metro bus route in oh, front of our house. Okay, there you go. And I think I was—I liked the big white bus with the with the colors that would drive by the house. Yeah, and the sounds it would make, like hearing, <laughs> hearing the, the straight six diesel sound coming yeah. by the house, and hearing downshift at the stop sign. So that's how it really kind of got started. But it kind of got amplified a little bit more. I was about eight years old. No, I was nine. I was nine years old. We had a car that we entered at a very big car show in Michigan. It was a concourse show. My father had a a Tarashi, a Formula Junior car that got restored. I remember that car. Yeah, the Tarashi. So the Tarashi got entered for this concourse in Michigan, but, you know... Only the Cotter family would try to make – let's go to Michigan and make a family vacation out of it. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we went to Michigan, and we went to the Henry Ford Museum, which is just phenomenal. Oh, my goodness. That is the coolest museum I've ever been to. It was during the summer, so we went to Greenfield Village too, and that was really cool. But the thing that finally just amplified it was I don't think it's open anymore because I went back – to the Henry Ford Museum a couple years ago, and I, I tried to find the building. I don't think it was there. There was a secondary building off to the side, and I think it was where they – it was like the reception area where they would crash test vehicles. Oh, okay. And in the room, there was just a big scattered area of parts out of crash test vehicles. So like there was a seat, and there was you know some – like a tire or something like that or just body parts. Yeah. One thing I've always liked about cars, I like instrument clusters. I like gauges. So here I am, nine years old, and I go over and I find an instrument cluster from a Ford Ranger that was crash test. And it had nine miles on the odometer. And I'm playing with it. I'm carrying it around because I'm nine years old. What do I know? And this gentleman comes up to me who works at the Ford Motor Company. He squats down and said, do you like that? And I said, I love it. He said, do you want to take it home? I said, can, can I take it home? He said, yeah, you can take it home. Wow. And so I ran over to my mom and dad and they said, are you sure he can take this? <laughs> yeah. I said, oh, yeah, yeah. We crash these things every day. He can yeah. take that. That's fine. I still have it. And that just kind of just amplified it to the extreme. It's like, Oh, man. That was the start. (laughs) Buses and crashed Fords. Oh, my gosh. You know what? Yeah, it's just one of those weird things. And then, you know what? My dad started racing cars, and then it just kind of just rolled up. Then it rolled from – yeah, it went down uphill from there. Well, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure. Now, you're a very young guy just out of college, so – and you talked about having challenges with learning disabilities and, and challenges there. So we covered that. But is there something else you might share with us at this young point in time you've encountered <laughs> that uh, was a, a tough thing to get through? And kind of walk us through that a little bit and, and tell us how you learned something from that experience. Well, the learning difficulties were very 
were very big, have been a really big part of my life. And basically, with having them and not having a lot of support within academia, I have had to fight for every little scrap I can get from the schools. I mean, I could go on for hours talking about how I would have to have one-on-one meetings with teachers. And I have a couple stories about when I had a principal yell at me for not using my homework planner properly. But, you know, it's just basically, you know, as a recent college graduate, that's really, you know, it's learning difficulty stuff. You know, what's very interesting to me about this is this day and age, we know so much more about these challenges that people face. My sister, she's a saint. She works with all sorts of disabled kids from severely disabled to minor disabilities and different forms of autism or dyslexia or all these different kinds of things. And now we seem to know so much more. So I'm kind of surprised to hear that the challenges you face have been with administrators that they're not as aware, because I have friends who are my age, I'm almost 60, who had dyslexia, say, in school, and their teachers just called them stupid. And they didn't even know what they were faced with. Here's a little uh, background on that. So first of all, the school that kind of saved me from lear- from you know becoming nothing to, become, to really become the man who I am today is this school out in, out of old places, Vermont, called Landmark College. Mm-hmm. And think of it as an education rehab facility because throughout my academia, that's what I've been told. It's like, oh, Sam, you're just stupid. You're not, you're just dumb. And I was like, oh, thanks. I really appreciate it. But I went to the school out east. And after, you know, I got academically dismissed from the University of Arizona after my freshman year for grades, I went out there and I, you know, that kind of just reworked everything. I basically, the biggest thing that they taught me was my biggest problem throughout this whole saga of having these learning issues was I felt alone because uh. you can have people telling you, oh, Sam, we really understand what you're go- going through. And it's like, no, you don't. But then when you get to a school like Landmark and you meet other classmates, they're like, oh, my God, there's other people like me. I'm not alone. And uh, this is amazing. Yeah. And then it, I can throw in a quick car aspect of it. I became f- friends with the president of, of Landmark College because he's a car guy. His name is Dr. Peter Eden. He is awesome. I met him because he has a bike series like mine, okay. and he had really cool wheels on it. And I asked him what wheels he had, and that began a friendship because <laughs> because of cars. But with the learning difficulty stuff is I'm covered under the American with Disabilities Act, technically. That was put in in 1990, but those acts are always very slow to implement. Right. And And I was born in 1990. So my age group, people born in 1989, 1990, 1991, and kind of 1992, we're kind of the guinea pig group. Okay. Through all these like great – first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade of testing out all these new ways to – Learn. So that's right. why all these people would always fight me and my parents on all these issues. I see. Very cool. Well, would you say, you know, the next question I always ask people is a, an aha moment. Would you say that going to that school was your aha moment about how to learn differently so that you realize I'm not alone in this battle here? I- that was a, that was an aha moment. Yes. I have two aha moments, actually. Okay. Um, the first aha moment was when I went to the landmark because – Basically, it was either I go there or I don't go to college. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, there's people that get me. This is awesome. I was like, oh, this is amazing. But my second aha moment, which involves with involves car match, was, you know, when I figured, like, you know what? I can do this. 
I graduated from college, and you know, being in business school, you have administrators and teachers say, "Oh, as soon as you graduate, you're going to find a job, and it's, it's going to be like that." Okay, so I graduated in September. <laughs> I couldn't find a job, and I was like, "You know what? How hard is it to start my own business?" And, I, and then I just did a little dig around, and said, "Oh, I can do this easily. This is I've been doing this for years. I'll just start. I'll just incorporate it in the state of Washington, and this will be perfect." You know what's wonderful about this, and I've talked about a lot of guests about this. This day and age that we're living in right now is really the new industrial age, but it's it's in a different way. There are so many opportunities to do things on your own. And what I'm doing here, what you're doing with starting up your business, finding a way to wrap that passion into a career and using the technology that we have at our fingertips now, which is almost all virtually free in many aspects, is really a tribute. So I commend you for realizing, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. And I know your dad was an entrepreneur. He built up yeah. a tremendously successful business. So so kudos you for following in those footsteps. Yeah, because you know what? I just I th- I remember it. I was it was maybe mid November, and I just got I was I think it was after I got a rejection letter from Amazon for some job there, and I was I, I just woke up and I was like, you know what? I don't have time for this. I'm just gonna see. I'm just gonna try to do my own thing. See how hard can it be? And I'll start, <laughs> and I'll keep on applying for jobs and see what happens. But you know what? Let's just I'll just try this out. And then the next day, I figured. What what am I going to name this thing? Then I thought about, thought about for a little bit, a little bit, and then when I was driving around, I said, "I'm going to name it Car Match. That's yeah. a great, that's a great name. Perfect." There you go, off and running. Very very cool. Well, I know you're again. I keep mentioning you're a very young guy, but how about a proudest moment in your career? I know your career is just launching, so we'll just say in your life. Is there a proudest moment you could share with us? Yes, I am very proud of the su- amount of support I get from people. Mm. I mean, I'm on your podcast right now, which is. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I don't like asking people for help if it isn't necessary because I feel that I like helping people out whenever I can, but mm-hmm. I never want to. I'm not one of those people that I never really want to ask for people and re- help in return because I just feel like I'll never be able to fulfill what is owed for what someone mm. does for me in return. But what I've realized in the last couple months setting up Car Match is. I have so much support and so many people that are willing to lend a hand mm-hmm. and wanting to help me out and be a part of the team. It's like, wow, this is great. I'm so I'm so fortunate to have so many people that want to be a part of my team. You know, that's a, another secret to life that uh, this old guy will tell you as the young man is you are the culmination of the people you surround yourself with. So that thing that your parents used to drill in your head, you know, hang out with the right kids, hang out with the right people. That's the reason. It wasn't just so you wouldn't get in trouble, of course, but it's so that you learn that hanging out with the right people are the right thing. And I think you'll find, Sam, that people that offer you help and expect nothing back, those are the true people you want to keep in your life because true people that offer help don't want anything back from you. They just want to help you. That's what makes them grateful and uh, happy in life. Now, I'm going to ask this next question because you've been surrounded by some pretty darn cool cars and the Crown Vic cop car, which is hilarious. I've seen that thing. It's a monster. Let's have a little bit of fun. What was your first really special car? Maybe you could share a memory with that vehicle. Well, <laughs> there's two of them. Uh, you know, first of all, I have to say the police car. Yeah. Because the police car, I did get it as, as my first car. I'm around all these beautiful, some of them million dollar cars and everything that I could have got as for my first car. You got a police <laughs> interceptor. I got, I got an old, Pierce County Detective Police Interceptor. Yeah. 
with the only options it has is cruise control and a spotlight. <laughs> that's that's it. What made you want that car? Well, it's a very simple story. We were at Monterey one year. I was uh, 15 years old. My birthday's in October, so I was about to turn 16. And my dad, who is still a Hertz number one gold member, who when you're a number one gold member, you can request a specific model in their fleet mm-hmm. if they have it. So he would always rent Lincoln Town cars. And I like big cars. I mean, a lot of people like they like Lotuses or you know yeah. like stuff you can feel really snug in. And I like those too. I mean, my family we have a 2006 BMW M Coupe, and I love that thing. But I prefer big cars. Yeah. And we were driving the town car, and it was brand new. And I was like, God, you know what? I was telling my dad, I said, you know what? I really like this thing. And he said, and my dad said, you do? I said, yeah, you know what? I would like one of these things as my first car. I said, and my dad <laughs> said, why do you want one of these things? Why don't you get a police interceptor? I mean, those are more sporty. And I said, yeah, you know what? They're, you're right. And then it kind of just went away a little bit. I didn't think much of it yeah. until a little while later. It was my birthday. It just showed up, and I said, like, hey. <laughs> Here's the police car. I was like, oh, my God. You actually got it. Your parents got off cheap because those things don't cost that much. So you lucked out. Or they lucked out, I should say. But I think it's hilarious. I think you're probably the only 16-year-old who wanted a police interceptor. I drive a 2010 535XI six-speed station wagon right now. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. I just looked up the numbers. There was on the another day. I guess they only imported like 328 of them. There They're were pretty six rare. Speeds. Yeah. Yeah. But my police car was at, at our shop, and I was look, looking at the front tires. They're all chewed up because of just how I drive it, because I go really hard in the corners with it. Yeah. You know what? I it just I drive it like a truck. I just love it, and it, <laughs> it handles my abuse. The other car, I have a Sunbeam Alpine that oh, I got. Yeah. I got it as a gift from my, from my parents because I wanted something that I can clean up and restore. Yeah. And it's a 65 Sunbeam Alpine. It's a series... I want to get the series number right. I I don't remember off the top of my head. I think it's a series four. I got it when it was green with a tan interior, and I found the color code, and I repainted it its original color of baby blue with a black interior. Nice. And it's really pretty. And then the gentleman who uh, put the new wiring harness in put it in backwards Uh-oh. and then rewire the battery cable. So when I put a new battery cable battery in it, it caught the wiring harness caught on fire. Ooh, so I got to put a new wiring harness in yeah. when I get a job and have some money. Some free time in. and money. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. But no, the police car and the Sunbeam are kind of my real special cars that I have. Yeah, those are pretty far apart, too, in the kinds of cars you have. So it's perfect. You're a unique guy, Sam. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, I don't even know if this next question has any relevancy with you. It's a seller's remorse question. Is there a car you've had that you've sold that you wish you had back? Yes. Oh, I have, okay. There, there's one car, and I, mi- I miss it to this day. So – I graduated from high school in 2009. Now, this kind of fits into the weirdness of the the special cars, of like how I was saying, you know, I have access to all this weird, all this high end stuff. When I graduated from high school, I could have got any car I wanted. My parents bought me a 2009 Subaru Outback 2.5 XT five speed. Now, what is significant about the 2.5 XT? is that's the engine from the WRX. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so some people would classify it as a sleeper. I loved that car. It was dark brown with a tan interior, and I put 60,000 miles on it in three years. Wow, you it, did it, like it. 
so you know i went to school in arizona for a year so i lived in the in the desert for a year and then i took it to vermont for two and a half years so it oh, survived wow. sub-zero temperatures yeah. so by the time i was done with it in vermont it was kind of worn out yeah definitely i miss it but driving it back like the air conditioning was acting lethargic like it was like having a hard time keeping up and it was like yeah this thing time to go it's time to go time but to you go. know what if I could find another one, I'd buy it. But the problem is a lot of people that bought them just bought them because they're super outbacks. They're, they weren't right. high-end special right. cars. Yeah. So the ones that you find are usually really beat up. Yeah. But if you ever find one that's like a Primo uh, 2.5 XT with a five-speed, those are just awesome cars. Well, let's talk about today in Car Match. I'd love for you to share a little bit more about what stage are you at right now? Where do you think you'll be with the company? I know you're starting to build a website, so you're at the very beginning stages of this, although you've already helped some people with cars. But uh, what do you expect to, to have done this year with Car Match? Well, I expect by the beginning of the summer, I'm going to have a website. I expect to be up and running by, with everything by the beginning of the summer. Okay, cool. I have social media stuff all ready to go i just there's nothing up there right now mm -hmm. because i've just haven't been so busy with other little family personal projects i know in our pre-show chat we talked about you want to create a logo for the company so a branding of the company is part yeah, of what you're going to develop I'm going, I'm going through the process of trying to find an ideal logo for the company I'm trying to find something that would just you know exactly i mean i kind of have an idea in my head right now but i don't know if, if my idea will be appealing to most customers sure from what I've been able to gather so far, the customer base that I'm trying that I'm probably gonna be aiming for are mothers in their thirties with two very young kids and I don't think they really want something that really screams like car enthusiast in its late twenties, you know. Well, if anything I know is the key is understanding your avatar, which it sounds like you've already targeted in on that of who your customer is gonna be and how you're gonna help them. Yeah, just building it up, building the whole business up, creating something, and then getting it to a point where it can uh, launch. Now, will, will it be primarily an online business? Is that how it will function? No, it's not going to be online. My biggest deal is I want to get to know the people I'm working with. Okay, cool. Because it's kind of like meeting, working with a recruiting agency with your resume. You only can tell so much about a person on a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. I want to get to know someone face to face to figure out what is going to be best for that person. I see. Cool. Because there's so many different things between what's on paper and what is real life. Like, here, I'll use a car example. You know, this is a couple years old, but let's just use this. On paper, it should seem that a Mercedes C63 AMG should be faster around the track because it has more horsepower. Now, we're talking about like, you know, a couple of years ago, like, you know, when the M3 was a V8 and like uh, the C63 had the 6.2 liter in it because it had 100 more horsepower. On paper, it sounds like the Mercedes is the better buy and would be faster around the racetrack. But the Mercedes had too much power in real life once you get down to it because it just and it, it would and the M3 would be faster because it could use its power better. Hmm. So my deal is I want to sit down. I prefer to sit down with potential clients to mm -hmm. figure out what exactly do they need. I see. Very cool. So a very personal approach to the people that you're going to help put in the right seat. Exactly. And that's the reason why I try not to use the word car broker because, you know, a broker has it, how it's been described, how I've always seen it as somebody that just tells someone, go look at this and they get, 
you know, like a fee of like 200 bucks or something. Because it feels very impersonal. And I kind of want to be there to just help the person, help my client through the process and also help my client once they purchase the vehicle in case they ever have any questions like, what does this light mean on my dash? Which most often will, will not be a tire pressure light. And I'll tell them, just go to Les Schwab and they'll fill it up for free. That's fine. Or I kind of would like to get a toboggan for my car, but I don't want to go, I don't want to spend that much money. Can you help me find? something else and i just help them through the process awesome great love it we'll look forward to where this progresses as summer gets here now that you've said it out loud to thousands of people listening you got to follow through so we're gonna follow, yeah we're gonna stay hot on your heels here exactly here's a very introspective question sam if you were a car what kind of car would sam be and why well what would i be um i think i would be a mercedes e63 wagon because I'm very utilitarian. I like station wagons because of how much how utilitarian they are. But I also like to have fun and get and get, you know get down, and have fun, and do burnouts and stuff. <laughs> but and you know what? I would also be one that's like a totally generic color, like tan or something, or you know beige or so gray, somewhat something. stealthy, just like your uh, Crown Vic. Basically, just you know what? Just something that blends in, and when it's time for me to show off, I sh- I can show off. You know, anyone could say like, "Oh, I'm a Ferrari," or you know, "I'm you know, I'm a McLaren," and you know, those are all really great ideas. But I feel there's just so much more. Like a, a station wagon, it's a do everything car. Plus, <laughs> an AMG one, you can do burnouts in it, and that's great. <laughs> Very nice. Well, Sam, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts? Around the globe, I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN 
Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Sam, we're back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Never give up. And I I got that from Bruce Levin. Oh, good old Bruce. Yep. Yeah. And do it to this day. I mean, I'm never going to give up. Never so. give up. You know, that's awesome. I got to get Bruce on this show sometime. For those of you who know racing back in the day, Bruce ran Bayside Racing. He ran 962 Porsches and 935s. Uh, he's an icon up here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, very, very interesting guy for sure. Now, would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Yeah, I always set myself goals, and I purposely at times set myself goals that I have a feeling that I know that I probably never achieve, but they're goals in themselves that help push me forward. Now, about resources, there are a ton of great resources out there these days, but is there one in particular that you'd like to share? You know, Reddit is a great source to find information. Mm -hmm. Like the Reddit car page and, you know, specific for brands or specific model is just wonderful. The Reddit Subaru, I mean, I don't even own a Subaru anymore, but the Reddit Subaru page is top notch. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field, living or deceased, who would it be? Hmm. That's an interesting one. I would love to have a drink with Bob Lutz. Oh, yes. That would be very interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. I've always admired the guy. I learned about him when I when I first entered college because I had, I wrote a paper on him for one of my business classes like years 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 ago and I have a picture of him saved on my computer. You know how you always kind of have that self image of yourself that you have mentally that you know maybe the other people don't see you as but it's huh? like how you see yourself as. Yeah. Okay, there's a picture of Bob Lutz when he was about in his late twenties, early thirties when he was working for Opal. And the story of it goes is he was testing, a, um, I guess, a new cadet or something had a design flaw and that it would roll over if he did evasive maneuvers. Mm. And he, Bob Lutz said, hey, it's going to roll over. And the guys, and I guess one the GM corporate guy said, oh, it's not going to roll over. And he said, oh, yeah. And so he took one of the cadets out and rolled it over. He rolled it. <laughs> and then he got out of the car. And I think he did the Captain Morgan stance with one leg up on the wheel well and smoked a cigar while the car was slipped over. And yeah. someone took a picture of that. And that's and it's like, you know what? The stories that that guy has would just be phenomenal. That would be an interesting drink for sure. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> now about a book. Is there a book that you've enjoyed that you think our listeners would enjoy reading? Yes. This is a book I read for a project I had to do in school. I had to write a whole big thing on the Ford Motor Company. And there's a book called American Icon by Bryce G. Hoffman. It is about Alan Mulally and what he did for Ford Motor Company. Mm -hmm. And it was written by journalists who work for the Detroit newspaper. So it's all like internal like type stuff about the whole process and the whole story. And it's a very interesting read because the big thing I remember from that book was they talked about how when you see ads today from foreign car makers like from Toyota or Honda, they mention – oh, I'll use Subaru as an example because um, I saw this ad earlier. They There's an ad about how the new Subaru Impreza has 
Subaru EyeSight, a feature that Honda, Toyota, or Ford doesn't have. And they met, they actually specifically mentioned that in the book because it's one of the first times in a long time that a foreign automaker like that will mention an American car brand okay. in one of those ads. Because notice they don't mention General Motors or Chrysler. Right. They mentioned Ford, which I thought was just very interesting. And you have to give them some credit. They actually built stuff that we want. I mean, and it's kind of thanks to Alan Mawali and his whole one world plan because I like the new Fiesta ST. And you know what? It's thanks to him that we even have it. Right. Yeah, he's an incredible guy. Um, what he did for that company and then went on for Boeing, uh, same kind yeah. of thing. So, uh, yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, he's a seriously uh, incredible person. Well, listeners, I'll remind you, you can find links to all these great resources on Sam's show notes page at carsyad.com slash Sam Cotter. And there's another great place on the uh, Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books, where Sam's recommendation and all the past 727 now guests who've been on the show, books are listed there for quick, easy clicks to buy. It's under the resources tab. I make it real easy for you to find some very cool books that the uber cool guests I have here on Cars yeah have recommended. All right, Sam, we're up to the checkered flag. This last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage, uh, don't worry about the price because today I'm going to buy you whatever car you'd like. But you got to keep it. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. That little trick's off the table. So this is a keeper, but it's something I want you to go out there and enjoy. What would it be? I really want a Ferrari F40. Ah. I, I, have, <laughs> I have always wanted one. I have wanted one ever since I was a little kid. I'm one of those 90s kids, you know, but no, <laughs> but, you know, growing up in, in this generation that I'm in, the cars of that era, so the XJ220, the McLaren F1, the Porsche 959, and the F40 are my four, oh my, they're just the cars that I just like, oh, yes, and out of all those, because I have to think logically, <laughs> the F40 is the one I would buy because that's the one I know I can get serviced when yeah. I, because I'm going to drive the hell out of it. Oh, uh, yeah. And the F40 shoots fire too. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you right before you called in to do this show, a friend of mine, Jason Tang, who uh, took, he's a photographer in the local area, uh, posted some videos of uh, F40, a local guy here that owns one. They're out driving it. And, uh, it's so funny that you brought that car up. I sent him back a picture on Facebook with me with an F40 because I spent a day with one photographing it years and years ago. So uh, you picked a pretty special car, pretty pricey car. But what I'm glad to hear you say is that you'd actually drive it because most of those are garage queens. Any car that I have access to is going to be a drive. That's the thing I've been taught working with my family's collection any car we have, they're not going to be show queens. They're going to be drivers. And if they're show queens, we get rid of them. I mean, we live in the Pacific Northwest. It's raining right now. And it was raining yesterday. My family has a 2000 BMW 2002 Turbo. I drove it yesterday in the rain. Yeah. Because you know what? That's It's super dangerous because it's really tail happy. But you know what? Who cares? It's a car. It has windshield wipers and a heater. I'm going to drive that thing in the rain. <laughs> nice. Nice to hear. Well, Sam... You have taken us on an awesome ride today, and I've really enjoyed getting to know more about you and catching up on what you're doing. I'm so proud of what you're doing with uh, building this new company. Really fantastic. And Thank you. You're welcome. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yow listeners, being a great inspiration. Could you give us a little parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off down that wet roadway in that Ferrari F40? Yeah, I'll tell you this. And, it, you know, as we discussed earlier in the, in the podcast, you know, this from a kid, from a, someone who struggled with learning difficulties, I always say never give up on your dreams and never stop acting like a kid. <laughs> 
never give up on your dreams, even if someone tells you it's a dumb idea yeah. or you're stupid if you're stupid to think that way. Yeah. Because if I did that, I wouldn't be at the point, the position I'm in. Right there you now. go. Words of wisdom from a young man who has uh, worked his way through life and having some fun for sure. And what's the best way? I know your website's not up yet. When it is up, you're going to let me know because I'll update your show notes page. But is there another way for people to to get a hold of you or follow along with what you're doing? Yeah, there's an email address. It's uh, carmatchnw at gmail.com. There you go. Perfect. Well, listeners, again, I will post links on Sam's show notes page at carsyeah.com so you can find him. Uh, keep an eye out here at Cars yeah. I'll make sure on my social feeds when your website's up and going that I'll share that with all my followers so they know what you're up to so they can seek your assistance. And Sam, most of all, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.